0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, the scripture that we're going to be looking at is in your bulletin. It's on the inside back cover. There's also there a place to take notes. So we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, really just verse 22. This is the last verse in this letter. This letter we've been looking at since January. So we're going to finish this letter today. Friends, listen. This is God's word. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is God's word. This is the end of Paul's final recorded letter. The last thing that we have in print from the apostle who wrote half the New Testament. This is the last thing that he wrote. He's done. He has passed the baton to Timothy. All that needs to be said has been said. Well, not quite. Not quite. There's one more thing. There is still one more thing that Paul wants to say. There's one more thing that Paul has to say. And this is the legacy, this last verse is the legacy that Paul wants to be known for. There is one thing that Paul wants ringing in Timothy's ears for the rest of his life. Okay? And it's, it's the one thing that Paul wants ringing in our ears and in everyone's ears who takes the time to read the Bible. When you think about the, the last thing that the Bible says, what the last word of the Bible is, when you think about summarizing the message of the Bible, what do you think about? Do you think about judgment? you think about condemnation? Do you think about warning and correction? Is that what you think of when you think about the Bible and what it says? That's not what Paul wanted ringing in the ears of Timothy as potentially the last thing Timothy could ever have heard from Paul. Now Paul ends this letter and ends his inspired writings with this statement of the gospel. It's a statement of the gospel. That's what verse 22 is. Paul says, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This gospel of Jesus specifically applied to Timothy. Paul doesn't give himself help. Paul doesn't just give him advice, but he gives Timothy a statement about Jesus, a statement designed to change Timothy's life, and this was Paul's singular legacy. So if you're taking notes, here's the first blank. Paul's singular legacy is to plant the gospel deep in others. That's what Paul is trying to do here for Timothy. It's what God wants his words to do to us today. Paul wants the gospel planted deeply into us. This is Paul's legacy. And and as God uses Paul's writing, God wants us to have this gospel planted deeply into our hearts. And then he wants us also to plant this gospel into the hearts of others. And so let's just talk about this verse. Three points. The first point here is just to say this is good news. This is good news. The Lord be with your spirit. What does that mean? This is one of those things that would be easy just to sort of take it for granted. Easy to read over and not think about. But what exactly does that mean? The Lord be with your spirit. I mean, I don't see Jesus here with me. I don't see him. He's up in heaven. Physically, he's not here. And yet the story of the Bible is a is story of God getting closer and closer and closer to us. Isn't it? Like from the fall, uh, humanity was excluded from the presence of God because of their sin. And, and, and from the fall, God reigned in heaven. Right? The Bible says that God lives up and reigns in heaven. He's king in the heavens. And this is God over us. But then then that God who is over us came in Jesus. He came as Jesus Christ and walked the earth in the incarnation. He lived for us. He died for us. He saved us from sin and selfishness. Jesus was God with us. Right, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, God with us, as he handed the baton to the church, he made this incredible promise. In John 14 through 16, Jesus said, It is to your advantage that I go away. Which is a crazy statement. But he says, he, he gives a reason. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he says, he will be in you. He will be in you. And so this is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us when we believe in Jesus. Jesus. And so from God above us to God with us, the Holy Spirit is God in us. This is what baptism signifies, right? As God's Spirit is poured out over us and we are covered with the water, as it drenches us, we are covered with the presence of God. God pours His Spirit out to fill us with His presence. And what this means, what this promise means, is that you are not alone. You are not alone. The verse says, The Lord be with your spirit. What's that? What's our spirit? Well, this is the non-material part of us. Okay, there's lots of different ways to think about this, but the Bible basically says that you have a body and you have a spirit. Okay, we get the body. The spirit is the part of us that um, is non-material. Okay, so this is the part of us that thinks. This is the part of you that feels. This is the part of you that reacts. It's your mind. It's your emotions. It's your attitudes. It's the part of you that takes action. It's the part of you that engages the world and the people around you. What this promise is saying is that this part of you is not alone. The Lord is with your spirit. God's presence is with you in your mind, in your heart, in your actions. Your spirit is the rechargeable battery in your phone. And the Holy Spirit is the electricity that you need to charge it every day. Right? This is good news, that we are not alone. Okay? But it's not just good news in general. Our second point is that this is specific news for you. So not just good news, but it's specific news for you. The gospel is not just a truth in general, but the gospel is truth that is specifically applied exactly where we need it. Okay, this verse isn't just a random goodbye from Paul to Timothy. Okay, we've seen that already. Paul's not just throwing in random stuff that just sort of crosses his mind. Oh, yeah, I gotta make sure I tell you this. Oh, I gotta make sure I take. No, no, no. This is specifically exactly what Timothy needs to hear. Hey, how do we know this? Well, it's because we've seen. We've seen where Timothy's specific struggles are, haven't we? As we've looked at this letter, we've seen a picture of the struggles that Timothy has been going through. Right? He's afraid. Right? He's afraid of opposition. He's afraid of suffering and persecution. He has turned down the volume on Jesus in his life. Right? He's afraid to share the gospel. And he's even afraid and ashamed to be associated with people who are suffering for the gospel. Right? these are just some of the things that we've seen in this book of 2 Timothy. His struggle is summarized actually in the beginning, in chapter 1, verse 7. Timothy's struggle is a spirit of timidity. You can kind of summarize everything that Timothy was dealing with under this category of that Timothy was timid. He was timid. And so, if Timothy struggles with a spirit of timidity, what does Timothy need? Well, Paul knows exactly what he needs. To face the challenges that are ahead of Timothy, he needs one assurance. And he needs one assurance. He needs a specific gospel answer. Timothy, you have the spirit of timidity, but guess what? The Lord is with your spirit. You see this? Again, Paul isn't just giving truth in general, he is specifically reminding Timothy. He is specifically letting it echo in Timothy's mind as the last thing that he hears. Timothy, the guy who's in charge is on your side. Can you hear that this morning? The guy who's in charge is on your side, right? The ultimate authority in life is with you, It's not Caesar, Timothy. It's not false teachers. It's not the critics in your life. Timothy, Jesus is Lord. Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead. He is now Lord of the world. He's in charge. He's the one you need to serve. And bro, he is with you. Man, Timothy, you are not alone. Alone, you are timid. But you... Are not alone. God has given you a spirit, a new spirit. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is strong. The Holy Spirit is self controlled. The Holy Spirit is courageous. And the Holy Spirit is in you. Friends, can you hear that this morning? Can you receive that this morning? And the gap between who Timothy is and who Timothy needs to be is filled by Jesus with the presence of his Spirit. And Paul makes it clear that Timothy has the Lord. He has the Holy Spirit, not because of his righteousness, not because of his own obedience, because he doesn't have any of that. right? But Timothy has these things because of the extravagant grace of God. Paul says, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Timothy, it's not yours because you've been good enough this week. It's not yours because you've been good enough this month. It's not yours because for the last 114 days you've been sober. Timothy, you have the Holy Spirit because of God's extravagant grace that he showers his favor and his love on you simply because he loves you. And what Paul says to Timothy, God says to you this morning, God says to you, it's not about what you do, it's not about what you earn, it's not good people, right, that are blessed by God, it's forgiven people who are blessed by God. It's people who, Jesus said, are just they're, they're honest about the fact that they are poor in spirit, they're honest about their sins. They're honest about their brokenness. Jesus says those people, to them belong the kingdom of heaven. To them belong the blessings of heaven. To them belong and to them receive the Holy Spirit. And so the part of you that thinks, that feels, and that reacts, right your mind, your emotions, and your attitudes, Okay, that part of you that reacts to situations at work, Right? That part of you that is so frustrated by the situation at work. The part of you that feels like you're going to rip your hair out. The part of you that feels overwhelmed. The part of you that struggles to deal with people at work. That part of you is not alone. The Lord is with your spirit. That part of you that wants to encourage a friend that wants to come alongside someone else and help them in their struggles, that part of you is not alone. The Lord is with your spirit. The part of you that responds in in your dating relationships to your partner, the part of you that responds to your spouse or your kids, in the middle of your fight, in the middle of your fits of anger, in the middle of your bitterness, in the middle of the way that you try so hard and you just simply can't communicate, In the middle of that, friends, you are not alone. The Lord is with your spirit. This is not just conceptual theology. This is not just the doctrine of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is the promise that you are not alone. Yeah, Stephen, you don't understand. I just I don't have enough patience. Well, you're right. You don't have enough patience. But you're not alone. Stephen, you don't understand. I just get so angry and I fly off the handle. I can't help myself. Well, you're right. You can't help it. But you're not alone. You're not alone. You have the presence of God in you. And in that moment, if you can remember that, If you can remind yourself in the moment and if in the moment it's too late, then you have to remind yourself as you enter into the moment. And if that's too late, then you need to back up and at the beginning of your day when you wake up, you need to look at this verse and say, God, you are with my spirit. Before I face anything, before the day even begins, before I touch the ground with my feet, Lord, you are with my spirit. When we do this, There are times when we can sense his presence. There are times when we are reminded when we do this about how he thinks and how he feels about the situations of our lives. And when we think about how he thinks and he feels, our hearts begin to get renewed. When we think about this, we are reminded that even if we don't feel anything, even if we don't feel God at all around us, we are reminded of this truth that he is with us, whether we feel him or not in all of his power, in all of his love, he is with us. And if he's with us, then we can be like him. We can love with his love. We can be patient with his patience. Friends, this is the gospel in us that we need so that the gospel can flow through us to others. And so this is good news. This is specific news. I'm going to turn a corner here, a third point. Not only is this good news, not only is this specific news for you, but third, this is what others need from you. Okay, this is what others need from you. As you experience this Holy Spirit, as you have encounters with Jesus, as you pray, as you read the Word, as God begins to fan into flame things about himself that are in you, right? As you begin to have these experiences... Um, something begins to happen inside of you. There's a maturing process, and there's a maturing transition that we begin to make. And this is a maturing transition that I want all of you to think about and to actually participate in. Uh, most people initially become Christians because of what you get. right? We come to Jesus because, well, he provides forgiveness. He provides Hope. He provides strength. He provides courage. He provides meaning. He provides purpose. Right? There's so many things that we get in the gospel package. Right? We 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 get an identity that we we get a freedom from circumstances. We get an ability to live and to be happy with the circumstances that we're dealt. We we have this sense of being able to overcome things, even if things don't ever change. Like we're not bound and and dependent on our circumstances having to work out. We can live. Free. We can live in prison with joy that is seeking to bless other people. Right? There's all this stuff that happens to us when we become Christians. And so many people become Christians because of what they can get. Right? But after a while, after a while, instead of going to Jesus for what you can get, you begin to realize that you can go to Jesus because of what you can give. And you begin to realize that what Jesus is doing in you, he can actually do through you to help others. And this is a process of maturing. Think about it. Even our children go through the same thing. As they're young, they're selfish, they're self-centered. The whole world revolves around them. They have no concept of other people, let alone... And then their first concept of other people is what they can do for me, right? And it's not until they grow, Lord willing... (laughs) Um, Lord willing, that they would grow to realize, oh, part of the purpose of my life is actually to be a blessing to others. Right? We're blessed to be a blessing. And so I want each of you not just to receive what Paul is giving to Timothy. Okay? But I also want each of you to get good at giving out what Paul is giving to Timothy. Are you with me? Because this presence of God, this gospel, this good news, man, this isn't just good for us, but this is what other people need. This is what the people that you know need. Um, I want to share something with you. This is a bead, okay? Um, it's not just a bead to me. Um, if you went to Michael's where I bought these, they're just beads in a bag, Um but this is actually, a, this is a week of my life. Okay, this bead is a week of my life. And when I turned 40, I realized that in my mind, I'm beginning the second half of my life. And I could get past 80, I'm not sure, Mel has, so I'm hoping to walk in his footsteps. Um... But so what I did, I read this, and somebody else did this, and I thought this is what I'm going to do. And so what I did was I bought a bead for every week of the rest of my life. Okay? And so let me show you what this is. So this is the rest of my life. Right here. In beads that are red, that are white, and clear. And every Sunday, every Sunday I take a bead out, and I realize you know what, this is a week of my life. And as I've been coming face-to-face with the legacy that Paul is leaving for Timothy, like, I've realized this is what I want my life to be about. And I did this because the Bible says that we should number our days. And, well, I felt like it'd be wiser to number my weeks because, you know, I couldn't carry this and show it to you if it had all my days in it, right? Right? Um, But when I turned 40, I realized that I wanted the rest of my life to be giving back I wanted the rest of my life to be pouring my heart and my life out for others And so there are weeks when I take this bead And because of an interaction that I've had with somebody I give them the bead Because God used some, by his grace He was able to use me to help be a blessing to them And I tell them the story, and it becomes this kind of special thing. Um, And so there are weeks when I give this bead away. Um, There are weeks when I throw this bead away um, because I don't have anybody that I could give it to. There's nobody that I did or should give it to because I haven't actually given myself out. Um, There are times when I take this bead and I put it in the offering basket. Because I want to offer myself to God. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I want you all to take your legacy seriously. And I want you to realize that God has put you on this earth, and He so passionately wants you to experience His grace. He wants you to experience His love, He wants you to know His presence. He wants you to be like Timothy and receive this word from Paul. But he also wants you to be a blessing to others. He wants you to invest your life into others. And what this is, I mean, really what it means to be a blessing to others, what it means to be a Paul to a Timothy, what it means is, this is discipleship. Okay, that's what discipleship is. It's you making an intentional decision to give yourself to others. It's you making an intentional decision to offer to others the grace and the presence of Jesus. That's what discipleship is. We've been looking at this all year long as we've studied this book, but really that's fundamentally what it comes down to. It comes down to you making a decision to intentionally help others to experience the grace and the presence of Jesus. And friends, I just, I want you to say yes to this. I don't want us to leave 2 Timothy unchanged, uncommitted. I want us all to say, Lord, I know there are lots of things that you've called me to do in my life. Right? I've got things at work. I've got things in my home. I've got responsibilities. I've got community. Like I've got all these things, but I want you all to at least commit to this part of God's purpose for you, and that's to make disciples. To make disciples. Um, we do this in our life groups. We do this in personal, one-on-one, or one-on-few discipleship relationships. I mean, some of this happens here on Sunday, but this is just sort of scratching the surface to be able to disciple someone. Again, you just need to be committed to Jesus and committed to regularly helping someone else understand his grace and his presence. Will you say yes to this? Last week I shared with you a story that I got from Chad. The story of Chad's friend, the runner. Do you remember this? Um, In that story... Um, he was running in high. His friend was running in high school, and um, he was training to beat his time in the mile so that he could help his team be victorious. And the week before the race day, at practice, he had a panic attack because he was afraid he couldn't do it, and he was incapacitated by the pressure. And his coach, his coach did something any coach would do. He gave him words of encouragement. He actually gave him words of love too. But then the coach did something amazing. Right, you remember this from last week. He walked with Will to the starting line during a practice. And when the gun went off, he ran the entire track with his friend. He ran every step of the way, all along the way, speaking courage and strength into him. And when he finished the race, he crossed with his coach together, and he beat his best time. He beat his best time. Chad's friend says that that coach's investment in him was a life-changing moment. It was a life-changing moment. It changed everything. He has carried that moment with him, and that moment has been a source of courage and strength to him in times when he feels overwhelmed. And so last week, I said, Friends, Jesus is your coach. Don't you realize that this is a perfect picture of what Jesus does for us, as his presence, his spirit is with us, Well, today I want to take it a step further. And I want you to be that coach. I want you to aspire to be able to come alongside someone else in the midst of their life, in the midst of their difficulty. And I want you to be able to speak to them good news. Good news that specifically applies to them. If you don't know how to do this, I'm not going to tell you how. Okay? I'm not going to tell you how, and this is why. It's because you need to go to someone else, and in a one-on-one conversation, you need to ask them. Because that's what discipleship is. Discipleship isn't me telling you now what to do, but discipleship is you. I mean, you can come to me, or you can come to one of our elders, you can come to one of our life group leaders, you can join a life group, you can ask someone here in this church, hey, how can I... Become someone who can be a coach like that, and if they don't know now, the two of you then need to find someone else, and both of you need to learn. Okay, you need to do something. This is something you have to invest in. If you do this, right, if you do this, well, it's because Paul did this that the Roman Empire was transformed. This is the secret to Paul's legacy. It's that he intentionally and consistently helped other people to know the grace and the presence of Jesus. Friends, what kind of church will we be when we're committed to this same thing? What kind of impact? How can we bless the city of San Diego? In what ways can we launch as a brand new church next week taking this grace and this presence of Jesus? I, mean, I hope I hope that you will with me accept Paul's legacy and run, let's run together as a family and bless the city. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for this amazing promise that you are with us. Some of us know your presence intimately. Others of us feel like we're on the outside looking in. Jesus, will you come near to each one of us? Will you give us strength? Will you remind us that even when we don't feel you, that you are with us? It's your presence. It's your perfection that we need to fill us. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to seek out, to pursue with all of our hearts, the ability to disciple others and make us a church where all of our relationships have this characteristic that we're intentionally, consistently helping others to know your grace and your presence. And Jesus, for those who are here and they don't know you yet, Jesus, would you put on their hearts this desire to be a blessing to others? I mean, it's something that all of us want. We all want to leave the world better than we found it. Jesus, would you convince them that the best way for us to do that is to be connected to the God of the universe, to be connected and intimately associated with the one whose love gave his life for the world. Do this for us, we pray in your name. Amen.